Let's pray. Gracious God, we ask that you continue to pour out your spirit upon us today. Open our hearts up so that we may be open to the message that you have for us today as we seek to be agents of your mission in the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before we get started, I want to give you a little background, and I mentioned a little bit earlier about how at annual conference this year, um, the bishop kind of presented a plan, and right before annual conference, uh, they had presented the plan to the pastors. Um, our, uh, what is it, theme, that's what it's called, a theme for annual conference was together, we, and they had periods after all these, we, period, our, period, more, period. I think they wanted to, to uh, emphasize those words, that so together, we are more, okay? So the idea was that, you know, together we can do great things, uh, whereas individually we can do some things, but when we're working together, we can do great things together. Uh, Bishop Trimble, along with the extended cabinet, who are the district superintendents and um, the other directors of the conference staff, have been doing some visioning work. And when they started this, they asked this question, where does the Indiana conference want to be in 2020? Uh, United Methodists have some interesting ways of counting, and we count by quadrenniums, which are four years. So, uh, and basically, there are four-year times uh, that go between. And um, so, in this quadrennium, from 2016, at the time of our last general conference, till 2020, the time of our next regular general conference, um, in those four years, what do we want to accomplish? Uh, as a conference and they decided to set a goal and so they set this as their goal they want 100 percent that's a pretty big goal 100 percent of indiana united methodist church congregations to be missionally engaged by 2020 now that begs the question well what does missionally engaged mean i know uh, well, missional, here's just a brief definition. Being missional involves intentional relationship building to the end that we are making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Simply put, that every member of a church is engaged with his or her community, with their neighbors, friends, family, and co-workers. So it's just being intentional about that. And then our mission field is the people or a people group or neighborhood or community that's outside of the walls of this building. Uh, so while things here inside of the building that happen here are very important, uh, Pastor Dick last month talked a lot about that with um, pastoral care and things of that nature. It's important to pray for one another. It's important to support and encourage one another. It's important to come and gather together uh, to worship our God. Uh, so those things are important. But it's also important to remember those ways that God wants us to be out in the world as well. And so then they came up with this word called glocal, which I guarantee you if you've ever tried to name something, they would say that's a horrible name because it sounds kind of just weird. But anyway, it's a merger of the word global and local. And so what this means is that our mission field is not just locally here in our community, but it's also global. And the reason why uh, we care about global things in addition to local things is because God cares about what's happening in the world. So therefore, we need to care about not only what's happening in our backyard, but also what's happening around the world. And so that's, that's kind of an idea of, of this. So through that process, they established some Indiana Conference core values, and they have an acronym that's MACC. There it is up there. Uh, so 
We are missional, accountable, called, and connectional. Missional meaning that we seek to reach the mission field both globally and locally. Accountable, that means we strive for fruitfulness. In places where things are bearing fruit, we talk about it and figure out why. And in places where fruit isn't being born, maybe those are places where uh, maybe we need to adjust and make changes. Uh, We're called. In other words, all of us are called, not just certain people. Not just people over here or over there, uh, but we are all called, and that we are connectional, meaning that we are uh, together stronger than we are on our own. Well, again, you can check out inumc.org, and they have a nice graphic representation and a little letter from the bishop as well that you can read about uh, this focus for these uh, next few years as we seek to be missionally engaged as an annual conference. So, Now let's shift gears to the actual sermon, all right? As Dick, I think, alluded to, it's a little long. (laughs) Not long. Today we begin this sermon series on the missional heart of God, and I wanted to paint a quick picture, though, of the culture of the first century church uh, where the gospel was first proclaimed, where people first began to uh, make disciples of Jesus Christ. It might sound a little bit familiar to you as I describe it. Remember, this is the first century church. It was pluralistic. Uh, Many claimed to be spiritual, but not necessarily religious. Major ethical issues challenged social structures and institutions. And the global distribution of wealth favored a privileged few who were often removed or disconnected from the plight of the poor and the disadvantaged. Well... In many ways, their culture sounds similar to our experience today, too. Um, Our culture has shifted, and while we often uh, spend inordinate amounts of time and money arguing about uh, how we got where we are today, and of course then also who is to blame, uh, this morning I would rather have us be more positive and focus instead ourselves on the community, or excuse me, the opportunities that this moment in time offers us as members of the body of Christ, the church. As I was finishing this message, it kind of dawned on me that if into this kind of a world like we have today is when God chose to uh, enter in in the most uh, dramatic way through Jesus Christ and be God with us, that maybe this is a great opportunity. Maybe we're in a perfect time to be the church again in a powerful way. But to embrace the challenges of these times that we face means that we are going to have to avoid the natural natural tendency to hunker down, to protect what we have, and to go into maintenance mode. Societal changes may be forcing us to change how we do ministry, but they do not change the ministry, the mission that we have been given by Jesus to do, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And it's going to go up on the screen here, and I want you to say that with me. So, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This is important for a couple reasons. The this last part, um, because in history of Christianity, at some times we've kind of gotten a little bit confused, where we've made uh, becoming a Christian a transaction. That once that transaction is made, our behind gets out of the frying pan and then everything's just whatever after that because I've made this transaction. Um, 
And most people who are uh, understand that, you know, then it also says that we then act like those who are saved. We should, our lives should reflect uh, the life of Christ, and we should be beacons of hope and light in our world that draw other people to Jesus, because for whatever reason, God has chosen to use vessels like all of us uh, and the disciples. Have you ever read your Bible? That's a motley crew, uh, you know, um, uses just regular, ordinary people like us. Uh, to share his message and continue it forward. Um, but in that transactional model, the problem was that it didn't always lead to us uh, to discipleship. It only stopped after the transaction was made. Um, when you hear the word missionary, what comes to mind? Just yell out a couple things. If I were to say missionary, what would you say? Sent... Sent overseas. Okay, so I couldn't hear the last part. Anybody else? Service? Traveler? Teacher? Commitment? All right, well, those are all good examples or good descriptions of missionaries. Uh, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I, this is what I thought of a missionary, though. Now, I know missionaries now, and and they weren't really like this, but this is in my mind what I thought a missionary was, okay? See if this resonates at all with you. Um, I would have said in a nutshell that missionaries are slightly socially awkward people who sell all of their possessions, load up the family in their VW bus, drive to the airport where they bar board a cargo plane and share the ride with chickens, probably, to fly over to Africa or Haiti or India or some other distant land where they serve God by helping other people in need until the money runs out. And then they fly home in their handmade clothes that they made out of hemp or something uh, to tell people about their adventures and raise money so that they can go back. That's kind of what I thought of. You know, I know that's not. The other day on Thursday night, we actually had a pair of missionaries that showed up randomly. Uh, so I had to go and say, that's probably not a good description of you two. But I, and, and I realize that is a broad brush there. But uh, I wanted to be kind of paint you a little picture there of sometimes what we think missionaries are. Uh, but really, a missionary is simply someone that is sent on a mission. That's really all that a missionary is. Jesus himself was a missionary who was sent on a mission by his father. You know, following Jesus' baptism, uh, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted. Uh, and then he came out of the wilderness and he went to Nazareth and went to the synagogue uh, where we hear in Luke chapter 4, 16 to 21, what happened. It said, Jesus stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it to the attendant, and then he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were on him. Then he began to say to them, The has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here Jesus announces the character of the mission that he has come to carry out. 
he will be a liberator. He will restore all of God's children into right relationship with God and one another. And he will conquer the power of sin and death so that they no longer have to control us. And he will establish his kingdom, which is rooted in love and peace and justice and mercy, all for the good of all people. As N.T. Wright observes, Jesus would take upon himself the suffering, shame, and death of the world in order to overcome the powers of the world and launch God's long-intended project of new creation. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and that now you are invited to join and belong to it. And this is good news. This is what the good news of the gospel is. And it should be exciting news to us. We no longer have to feed on the improper diet of fear, division, and strife as our bishop uh, shared one day. Instead, Jesus offers us the bread of life and kingdom vision, a new way of seeing and being in the world that shines light so bright that it overcomes the darkness, a way of seeing and being that can even bring life out of death and turn our enemies into brothers and sisters in Christ. And since Jesus has conquered the powers of sin and death, we know that the words from our scripture reading from Isaiah are true. Despite what sometimes you see around you, I know this is the hard part. This is what gets us down. We don't get it because we still see sin and death and we still see things not being the way they should be. Notice, Jesus has come to defeat the power of these things. They no longer have to control you. It doesn't mean they don't still exist. It doesn't mean they don't still tempt us. It doesn't mean that there are some people that choose the ways of darkness and not of light. But it means that those ways have been defeated. They don't have to control us and God's people can live in a new and better way. And Isaiah says, do not fear. I think that's what stops. We fear. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will withhold, excuse me, will uphold you with my victorious right hand. As Michael Riddell points out, participating in the mission of God means leaving our places of security to travel to the place where others are. And sometimes those places aren't safe. Sometimes we don't fit in. Sometimes we're going to be an outsider. But this is the heartbeat of the incarnation, God choosing to come and live among us in Jesus Christ. Mission is always in the direction of the other and always away from ourselves. We will need the guidance and strength of the Holy Spirit to guide us along the way. We will experience disappointments because when you go to people or you go to places uh, that need God's love and God's grace, guess what? They're not always right. They're not always going to do the right thing. People are not always going to make the right decision. They're going to disappoint us sometimes. But we can take comfort in the fact that just like the Blues Brothers, those of you who like that movie, we are sent on a mission from God. And to all God calls, God also equips and empowers. And this is the part I think we forget sometimes. God is not incapable of doing things. You know, he did pick a ragtag bunch of disciples to be bearers of his message to the world. And yet, 
that message still continues today some 2,000 years later. Read your Bible sometime and find one person that would be chosen first. You line them up on the wall like at a playground, they'd all still be standing there after everybody picked their best team. And sometimes we let our feeling of ineptitude or something or that how could God possibly use me get in the way of being able to say, you know, God, you're calling me, so I'm going to trust in you. And Holy Spirit, don't fail me now because I'm going to do what you say. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Sometimes you get riled up. Don't even know. Well, if some of you might be wondering because your bulletin says the title of this sermon is Missional Shift, what in the world that is. So I'll, I'll tell you what that is. First of all, in that word missional, there's a word or two you probably recognize. What would it be? Mission or missions, correct. And, um, you know, most churches have, uh, like ours, have a missions committee. Um, or you may have heard someone describe their church as mission-minded. Ever heard anybody say that? You know, my church is very mission-minded, meaning that they care about missions, which is a good thing. And while missions and being mission-minded are not bad things, they sometimes do however, distract us from actually engaging in and experiencing the joy of the mission of disciple-making ourselves. Because we leave it to the missions team, or we leave it to this group or that group, and we forget, huh, we're all in this together. Jesus didn't say, go out and make disciples of all the nations, except unless or only for people that are pastors, or only for people that are on the missions team. That's not in there, not in any translation of the Bible. So, uh, you know, it's all of our work. And while missions in our, sorry, so when we are simply mission-minded, uh, Milford Menetrea points out in his book, Shaped by God's Heart, we see our roles as sending and supporting those who are called to mission service. Mission is therefore representative. Church members pray and give so that others may go and serve. Just as churches have other programs like children's ministry or student ministry or the choir, they also have a missions program. So missions just becomes one other expression of the church's ministry. Minitrea defines the missional church as a re reproducing community of authentic disciples, being equipped as missionaries sent by God to live and proclaim his kingdom in their world. In their world is important. Not in the world, but in their world, because you each inhabit a world. You know, you each have people you associate with. You each have places that you uh, find yourself uh, that are not the same. In a missional church, people do still pray and give so that others may go and serve. But they... But for them, missions is more centered on being and doing than sending and supporting. The missional church understands that although some may be supported as those sent to other locations, every member is called and every member is sent. 
Mission is therefore participative rather than simply representative. In this sense, then, everybody becomes a missionary. And I know thinking of yourself as a missionary, especially if you thought even any of those things I described earlier about a missionary, you may not want to be described that way or you don't see yourself in that way. So it might be difficult for you to have a sense of being a missionary. But I want you to do something here for a minute. I want you to turn to your neighbor and take a minute and discuss if you've ever thought of yourself as a missionary first. And then do you think, if you haven't ever thought of yourself as a missionary, do you think you could ever become comfortable uh, with that description of yourself? So we're going to take one minute. I'm going to put it on the timer because I don't want you guys to get all freaked out that we're taking too long or you're, you're, uh, not, you're getting nervous. So I'm going to put it on the timer so I don't stretch it out. So talk to your neighbor. One minute. Okay, that was a minute. Well, I know being comfortable being called a missionary may take a little time for you, but I hope that you will try to embrace God's mission and this identity. And for the next five weeks, next four weeks plus today, I want you to just start thinking this through because thinking of yourself as a missionary will help you think about the way we talk, and I promise they all won't all be this long a sermon. But uh, anyway... But to be a missionary, you have to participate in the work of God around you wherever you find yourself. Um, because you all have different places that you uh, have an influence, have an impact. Some of you are parents. Some of you are neighbors. Some of you have coworkers. Uh, wherever you're placed, um, and you just pay attention. You know, Mother Teresa used to always say, um, God, uh, be with me and help me to join you in the work that you're already doing in the work today. You know, that's the attitude to have is, you know, God, how can you use me today? Keep my eyes open to see. But if you pray that prayer, just let me tell you something. You, something will get dropped in your lap. And it may take you a little time to get in tune with that if you start praying it. But if you do every day, ask God to open your eyes to see where God is using you and where God is calling you. What your mission field is, God will reveal it. And it might be a little uncomfortable at first, but it'll become easier. And one thing that I think why we're reluctant is we begin to think that this is about us, that somehow salvation is our problem. Salvation is not our problem. We don't save anybody, okay? What we do is we present ourselves in a way uh, by loving our neighbors that it's attractive, uh, that opens up a conversation, that then God uses and God uh, works out uh, until they able, are able to follow God on their own. Um, I often encounter people who are reluctant to see themselves as missionaries building for the kingdom in their daily lives. 
Sometimes I think it's due to what I said earlier about people, a lack of confidence or seeming unworthy to God. Other times, however, I wonder if it is a lack of belief in the capacity to have significant influence on the world, the world around them, um, that that has impacted the church's mission. You know, do we really believe that God will show up? That if we ask God to help us be in tune to the world around us and to put people in our lives uh, that we can have an impact on, uh, that God will show up and make that possible. Because if we do believe that, you know, it's amazing what could happen in this congregation, in our community, and in the world. In N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, he expanded my thoughts about how I can live as a missionary day by day, whatever and wherever I find myself in the world. He writes, what you do in the present, what you do right now, what you're already doing by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. These are not futile things. They matter now and they matter into the future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable until the day when we leave it all behind. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. We don't bring God's kingdom into being. Jesus has already done that. But we get the joy of participating in it here and now until Christ comes again. And we can build on it by loving our neighbor, by being in peace with our neighbors, by you know, showing people grace even when they don't deserve it, by being forgiving. So where are you building for God's kingdom? Where is your mission field? And you have one of two answers here. I don't know, which is okay. Because then I hope that maybe you'll start thinking about it if you don't know. And two, if you already know, that's great. But it's good to share with somebody else to help encourage you and support you. So turn to your neighbor and either tell them, I don't know where my mission field is, or my mission field is X, Y, or Z. This is going to take two minutes, two seconds, I mean. Go. All right, raise your hand if you already know where your mission field is. All right. Some of you do. Maybe some of you don't. Ask one of those people that knows. See if they know how they figured out how they know and why they were willing. Why they were willing to make themselves available to God. Well, missional churches do not see missions as simply one expression of its ministry, but rather sees mission as the essence of its existence. Missional churches have their hearts set to do the mission, not just empower others to do it. A missional Christian no longer just shares the gospel that so, so that a person believes in Christ or makes some transaction. A Christian, as well as the church, loves people so that they can be led by God to follow Christ. Let God do God's work. And then they can join you in building for the kingdom of God here and now. 
Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. Missional churches shift from simply believing in Christ to following Christ and his commandment to go. Once you identify your mission field, that unique place that God has placed you in the world to inhabit, and you begin to embrace your identity as a missionary, a missional shift will begin to happen inside of you, inside of this congregation, and inside of our community, and we will be empowered and equipped by the Spirit to be bearers of the good news, just as Christ intends. God has chosen us. I'm not sure why either sometimes, but God has chosen us to be partners in his kingdom reclamation project, and while we hold loosely to the ways that God will use us in fulfilling his mission, we do get to experience great joy in it, and especially in knowing, as our scripture said today, that there is nothing to fear. God will strengthen you. God will uphold you with his victorious hand now and always. Amen.